I can't come here and die I can't come here and lose Got all this shit on my mind Like what the fuck I'm a day Work ain't paid me in time My baby just ripped me my mood No two just cut off my line Hi guys And welcome to the Echo Chamber I'm Jade And I'm Ez And today we're going to talk about the workplace we're definitely going to talk about instances of like microaggressions and more overt racism and things like that. But just just general difficulties in the workplace that may or may not be related to race, maybe related to gender, maybe related to class, maybe related to all of the intersections that we exist at. We're going to talk about difficulties in the workplace. Um, it's really it's really relevant, I think, for the both of us this year. So opening question. Name a difficulty that you've experienced in the workplace. So when I was like 21 to 22, I think that this was basically my first job out of uni. I finished my degree and I obviously had all these hopes and dreams of like going into politics and stuff it didn't pan out that way by October I just need to get a new job in it I remember the guy that I was with at the time he's like a family friend of his was a like behavior manager at a school he was like yeah yeah like I can get your job at my school I can get your job at my school yeah no that's easy like I'll pattern it I'll pattern it and he did pattern it he got me in with an agency told me what lies to tell them (laughs) And um, he got me a role at his school um, as a teaching assistant. I've gone there now, not knowing that I was coming to put my foot in one a landslide. <laughs> and I had an experience with two, actually, two members of staff, two women who were just so like, I don't know, they were just so horrible. But I remember one, I think that the last situation was um, where this teacher she was like she was a senior member of staff she was a an assistant head I think the woman blasted me in front of students like when I say the woman shouted at me like I was a youth in front of students basically the school used to have like duty so like staff had the opportunity to take on little duties at lunchtime to make extra money so I like spoke to one member of staff you got a role doing duty basically I used to stand on one corridor and just make sure that students weren't congregating there literally um, and then there was another member of staff that did her duty at another door just down the corridor from me um, and that was just off of the playground so where she was she kind of policed the students more than I did so I got the like dredges of students that would try and come through or six formers because their common room was there. On this particular occasion, it was raining, it had started raining. The students all started coming in and this was exam season. So there was already year 11 students in the hall, which was on the corridor that I used to have a duty on. The year 11s were there waiting for their exam to start and then it started raining outside. So there's that little year sevens, year eights, thinking that that they're meant to come into this corridor and go into that hall where the year 11s were doing their exam. So of course, this woman that I've mentioned who does her duty at the first door, it's her responsibility to like make sure that the students don't come in. But I don't think she knew that there was an exam. So she's letting the students come through. So there's like bare students coming through. And I'm just like stopping them, basically. I am like successfully stopping them, but it's a bit loud. So that's when this senior member of staff 
storms out after like being really like rude and hostile on other occasions she like stormed out and she had got her opportunity to be like really 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 horrible and to really like belittle me and stuff and she blasted the shit out of me in front of those students and it wasn't even my fault what happened wasn't my fault it was it wasn't anybody's fault really but if we had to like apportion blame (laughs) first blame would be for like whatever senior members of staff were should have been tasked with directing students to where they needed to be if it started raining and second would have been the woman at the first door but yeah, it probably wasn't my fault, but this woman screamed at me. And I remember a um, two black members of staff caught wind of what happened and they um, approached me and they were like, we heard her shouting at you. And like, that's absolutely like ridiculous. I'm so sorry that that happened. And one of the members of staff who was also an assistant head teacher and head of PE, I believe, um, this mixed, I think it was mixed race. Um, he actually took her to one side and was like, you have to apologize to that woman. You cannot do that. Um, that's disgusting and whatever. And he came and he was like, I've spoken to her because I can't believe what's happened to you. And um, that's disgusting. And he was like, let me know if she does come and apologize, but I have told her she needs to apologize. Um, and the woman never apologized. And I was let go about two or three weeks after that incident. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so mad. That is so mad. I've had so many instances with mad white people at work. Yeah. short but multiple multiple stories so that once I'm thinking of like this wasn't even a white person actually this was a quote-unquote person of colour um that said this to me but when I used to work for my students union at uni I was just in the office one day and then like randomly it's not even funny but randomly one of my colleagues was like oh I used to live in the council that you know (laughs) I used to live in the council that I was like okay (laughs) all right bro all right so like that's an example that I can think of then I remember another time one of the senior leadership team was like to me ah your rude girl approach won't work with this like I think we like we were talking about like we're strategizing we're working with partners like an external organization that we did some partnership work with and I was like they were being quite difficult um with one of the things that we did and they were like oh then the senior leader was like ah it's such a shame that your rude girl approach probably won't work in this instance and they were like bare laughing and I was just looking at them I was just looking at them more recently there was a heated meeting this is in the midst of corona there was a heated meeting that happened race was one of the reasons why things were heated and again a very senior member of staff like took it upon themselves to phone every member of staff that was in that meeting and they just didn't phone me in their defense like I had supervision straight after the meeting so they were aware that I had supervision after the meeting but I know that that's not why you didn't phone me you didn't phone me because you knew that you were going to get smoke if you if you spoke to me that I would, I would hold you accountable for what had happened. Like, obviously, I've been working full-time since I was, like, 17. Um, and I've been working since I was 13. So I have got 14 years of mm. mad white people at work. Um, 
or mad non-black people at work. Um, and there are so many experiences that I could kind of list here. And I think for me, it's not just, I think race is obviously a major factor, but I think class and age is also like, so yeah. being a young black, and gender, young black working class woman in the workplace is, is an extreme sport, man, is an extreme <laughs> Um, and I think if I showed up differently or if I presented differently and I think when I first started working I used to like do all of that respectability bullshit I used to like try and present particularly because I don't have like formal education to back me up as well so that's even another thing but so I would always try and like present in a certain way put my best foot forward not be seen to be like the ghetto black girl and Mm -hmm. I really people are mad regardless so regardless of who I should what version of myself I show them they're mad regardless and I just started being myself at work it's so funny because I started working at 16 by 17 I had two part-time jobs but I never experienced these things or I guess I don't remember even the example I gave of that school I don't think that I could identify or signpost it to like oh it's because like it's a race or gender or age or class thing I just thought this woman just this this woman doesn't like me this woman just doesn't like me when I started working at 16 I worked in retail and it was like I had a fine experience like my experience of working up until the point at which I left uni I think was pretty smooth sailing I think I actually in some instances had really positive experiences and felt kind of affirmed in the workspace even though they were all like generally retail jobs I felt like yeah it was cool like I felt somewhat valued or whatever but that experience shocked the living daylights at me and since then I think it's just been like a get into grips with the madness particularly in my experience white women in the workplace it's been a mad thing it is one of those things that is really easy to gaslight and that is really easy to be that how do you know it's about race how do you know it's about gender like because mad people are mad people, do you know what I mean? And that work politics are work politics. So I think, and I think that people experience work politics across the board, regardless of their race, gender, age, and class. Mm. But I think that for me, there are very specific ways that um, in environments that I have worked in, there are very specific ways that I have come up against um, certain things. And I guess the question that I always ask myself now is, if I wasn't a young working class black woman, would you speak to me like this? Or would this would this be occurring right now if I didn't exist as me? Would this be happening right now? And more often than not, I'm quite confident that it wouldn't. Even and that's not to say that there wouldn't be an issue, but in terms of like how it's handled and how I am addressed or how I am positioned in those interactions at work, I know that it's I know that it's my race, gender, age, and class that that and and the combination of all of those things um and then the fact that I even dare to take up space as myself um so I think increasingly in workspaces that I've been in is the fact that Ra you even dare to take up space you even dare to open your mouth and talk um I feel like particularly and maybe this is partly my insecurities to be very honest so partly a projection of like my own insecurities but I think particularly like not having the educational background that most of my colleagues in the spaces that I work in have 
I feel like there's always like a, and working in the sector that I work in, I feel like there's almost like a, um, so this, this idea of like quote unquote expert by experience and the expectation of experts by experience to be grateful when they, when they reach middle management or when mm-hmm. they reach the salary or when they're like, when there's a seat at the table for them. I feel mm-hmm. like there's, in as much as like, I have kicked down doors. So no one's not giving me nothing in this sector. No one's not giving me a damn thing. I have kicked down doors. I have spoken up and positioned myself to be, be a quote unquote expert in my field. No one's not giving me that. But even when I get to those rooms and I'm in those spaces and I'm on those tables, there's the expectation that I should be grateful or that I should just be aware of the fact that like I didn't take the traditional route to, to access the, the quote-unquote benefits that I, that I get in workspaces that I find myself in. I think my experience is, is quite different and what I was saying before about like feeling somewhat appreciated in when I was younger in like the little retail jobs and what have you. When I was working in retail these were at times when I was in education so I was doing my A-levels or I was doing my my undergraduate degree and I always felt like people that I worked with or employers were somewhat supportive to be honest somewhat supportive so um whether that was giving time for when like I don't know I had exams or something or just yeah giving set giving certain allowances I never felt like judged or I never felt like other people were projecting their their any insecurities onto me um at all in those spaces but since having finished my first degree and being in the workspace as an adult as a like graduate and whatever I don't even know I don't even feel like um I think I do the respectability politics stuff in the workplace I think I am very reserved and guarded. I think that me and you have, have as like we do different work in it. We do different roles, so I don't think that there's necessarily space for me to like talk about my life or give too much away in terms of like class or my my life experiences and things like that. Um, in the way that working in the youth sector. And even being positioned like as somebody who is an expert by experience might like expose you to. I don't think I I get that kind of exposure um, working in the roles I've worked in. So I don't think that the assumption is necessarily that like, oh, you are like a working class black girl, Jade. But the hostility that I've experienced, I remember having a role before I started my master's. I worked in the sixth form and I remember on my last day, I really enjoyed the job. I did bare, like I did bare. Um, I was very enthusiastic about my work in the role. I obviously um, had a lot of knowledge in terms of the subject areas um, when it came to the social sciences. And a lot of my role was coordinating services to students to to access help um, and creating content and things of that nature. So um, all things that I very much enjoy. And then obviously because of my background in politics and the social sciences, I was also able to go a step further and like actually practically help students who needed like essay writing help and all of that sort of stuff. 
so when I got to the end of my role, when I decided to leave because I wanted, I was going to do my master's, school was really appreciative. Like they bought me gifts, all of that sort of stuff. They like congregated in, in my room. They were like, you know, we really appreciate you and whatever. And I remember the head of, I think it was the head of IT, an Asian man. He, you know, reiterated the sentiment. And I hadn't, I never really spoke to this man much. Um, this man was very, one of the strictest teachers in the school. The students were really scared of him. He was that, he didn't ram. And this man <laughs> told me <laughs> on the day that I was leaving that I was scary, that I was, that I was a scary woman. Very in mind, I never shouted, never done anything. So it was very much just my aesthetic that you are considering intimidating or scary or whatever the way that I look you're yeah judging the way that I look but yeah he told me that I was scary that um, I was intimidating and scary which I found very interesting because you the narrative for you is that you're scary among students and whatever workplace I think no matter how you position yourself or how you turn up how you show up I think um there is always something that's going to be projected and I think there's always something that's going to be negative when you're black yeah I find it interesting though because I think that um for my social circles my friends I know that a vast majority if not all I'm saying the vast majority because I don't like to talk in like black and white terms yeah but Mm. I can't think of a friend. So as I'm saying this, I can't think of a black friend that I have that feels that they can be themselves at work. Mm. So I feel like a vast majority, if not all of my black friends, do not feel able to show up as themselves at work. I find that really interesting because I think, so even like when I think about, and obviously my sector is interesting because my sector is full of like, people from that story and that that middle mm. class work like that went and did a social work degree or do, do you know what I mean or whatever like they're not from London they don't understand but then they've been in they've either been in the sector or been floating around the sector for years now so they kind of like that's what the sector is lefties like very like borderline socialists sometimes that's what my sector is so liberals yeah and it's interesting because I think recently and like over the call over the years, I've dipped in and out of the youth stuff. So like even though that like, youth is was my entry point, I think now, for example, I'm not really doing much. I'm not doing much um, youth focused work. So it's still the charity sector, but I'm not doing much or still the third sector, but I'm not doing much youth focused work at the moment. Still, again, similar people in it, similar types of people. And when I think about like them lot, and I, and I'm again I'm projecting here in it because I don't really know. But when I think about like the white, particularly like you said, white women um, that I've worked with, they do they are themselves at work. It does feel like mm. they are they are they do form like genuine friendships. For example, there are things that are like, oh, you lot, like this is so centered around you sorts of experiences and needs so even like some small things from like the snacks that are in the fridge like to no I'm because I'm thinking about one workplace there was always like hummus and carrots in that which is fine but I know that all the black the black people weren't eating the hummus and carrots <laughs> and, and pita bread. We weren't eating that. Do you know what I mean? And not to say I eat I eat hummus. I don't mind hummus and carrots <laughs> but 
the point that I'm making is I feel like there was like the culture of the spaces that I was in was just very centered around these liberal white women and their needs and their experiences. The socials that we did were very much like, I remember one colleague um, at a workplace that I went to who was a strict Muslim woman and she never went to a social because they're always at the pub. Like she can't come to the pub. But if, if for example, there was a, a, a um, brown Muslim organization, I'm sure they would, they would do socials, but it wouldn't always be at the pub. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's just like, the ways in which like whiteness um, pervades the spaces that I've been in and like people that exist on, on that exist outside of whiteness or outside of like, or yeah, that just aren't white basically have to think about how to position themselves or where to fit themselves in. There's always something about solidarity amongst, usually anyway, solidarity amongst black staff. And mm. I find that really powerful and really beautiful. So when, when I've worked places and that it's that unsaid, that unwritten solidarity that like, even I've even worked with black people that on a, on a personality level, we're not even that cool. Do you know what I mean, like I don't necessarily get, like we wouldn't be friends outside of work, but just the fact that we are experiencing this alongside each other in this space, there's a solidarity that comes with that, that I find powerful and I find beautiful. And I don't think white people understand or get. In every workplace I've been to, there's always been like uh, at least one black person where there has been a solidarity, a really close solidarity, someone that you would have your lunch with every day, <laughs> speak to. I very much enjoy the people that I've come into the workspace with and met. They've gone out of their way to give the lowdown they've gone out of their way to like okay like who's your manager or like what's your role or whatever and given the lowdown giving you the information that you need so currently where I work one of my jobs I always say this I've got two jobs but one of the places that I work at there was a black woman who did that for me she set up a zoom call like within my first couple of weeks in the role and she was like yeah so no actually so she set up a zoom call she was very standoffish in the zoom call so she was just very like factual and whatever but she kept on reiterating if you need anything then shout me if you need anything reach out to me and then a month or so into the role I decided to take her up on that offer so I was just like hey um I don't know if you've got time to talk but I am a bit confused about something that's happening. So I entered the role and I was working with this white woman. The white woman was just doing things and I was very confused. I wasn't going to assume that this woman was deliberately doing anything. Um, I was giving her the benefit of the doubt for, for some time. But I thought, let me ask this black woman you know, if I'm mad or if I'm seeing the truth that this white woman is mad. So um, I was like, look, I'm not trying to gossip or I'm not trying to like put you in a predicament. I'm not trying to put you in a compromising situation. So I get it if you like don't feel comfortable with this conversation, but A, B and C is happening. And I just need to know if it's me that's mad or if this white woman is mad. And she was like, I've been waiting for you to shout me, basically. She was like, I've been waiting for you to shout me about this woman. Don't worry, just be careful. 
um and that was just like oh my days thank god like this woman has been able to affirm me and give me the lowdown and give me advice on what to do so now I have like a work diary or a work log of like all of the things that have happened that happen in my interaction with this white woman and I'm able to timestamp it and date it just have a running log of everything that's happening between me and this white woman so that if ever I need to evidence like something really significantly mad that's happened or I need to complain I have like a log and an account of everything that's happened to give context yeah it's crazy as well because I feel like saying all this like MI5 stuff that has to happen at work yeah um and I'm just like the amount of times and it's that it's that validation that is that I I used to need I don't even need it anymore you know now I'll just I'll rather move I'll rather be moving mad that I'll rather that (laughs) I'm still gonna move mad because this is what I'm gauging and my experiences speak to this so I'm not even gonna waste time going into that is it me is it you it's you it's not me because that I've been here and I've done it before and I'm and I say that I might even be wrong but more time I'm right yeah I feel like all this MI5 like behind the scenes that let me chat to you all of these things that go on in the workplace and white people are generally oblivious to it and don't have to engage in these kind of extracurricular politics so they can just like come to work do you know what I mean and everyone has work politics regardless do you know what I mean but they can just like come to work and then like go home they're not having like every single workplace I've been to, I've had at least one or two. Them, you know, them evening calls when you're on the phone for two hours, dissecting the thing and you're advising and you're holding and people are crying and it's, it gets, it can get deep. Do you know what I mean? When it's like the violence of whiteness is so pervasive and so real. And obviously we spend most of our time at work. It's like becomes so real to, to us. And we have to find ways to hold that. And that I find sad. I find that really, really, really sad. To be honest, every I do this all the time, yeah. Obviously, me, I, I don't like working in it. Well, not even that I don't like working, but I don't like... I'm aware of these working environments, so I don't really want to engage in it. So what I do is I'll be free i'll freelance for like a year two years whatever they'll be like, oh, i need to get a job and i want disability cool find a job that i and it'll be a good job it'll be one that is like suited to me it'll be one where do you know what i mean it's less likely that i have to engage with this this fuckery and i'll get the job and then i'll have the job for maximum a year and in the year it will show me so much pepper that i'm like i'm never working again. <laughs> And then I'll go and I'll freelance, I'll come back. And that's been my pattern for like for years now where I'm just like, I can't work for crazy white people anymore. Let me not even minimise it to calling them crazy. It's not crazy. I can't work for white people that lack the self-awareness required to engage with black staff. I cannot do it. I'm not willing to do it. Um, so where I'm, one of the places that I'm working at the moment where I'm freelancing for is an amazing organisation. I'm one of four members of staff and I'm the only black member of staff. But I am working with such thoughtful, sensitive, reflective human beings that I, this is the first place I've worked in a very long time where I've not had my backup 
and where I'm not waiting for rubbish to come my way. And that's not even to say that, like, I don't know where everyone sits in relation to their race politics. I don't, I can't categorically be like, oh, there's only one person in that space that I can say that I know. If and when things come up, if I'm working with the right people, I feel safe. The first time I've been around non-Black people and felt safe. I don't have the black ally, but I don't feel the need for the black ally in this space, which is like very unique. And yeah, big up them, big up my, my colleagues, because they're the ability to be critical, to reflect for th- when things, because I think things will come up when you're working with people that are different to you, things will come up. I think that that's okay, but I think it's trusting that we can name things and we can hold that process in a way that doesn't gaslight me, doesn't make me feel mad, and where we can continue to do the thing that we're here to do which is the work yeah I think it definitely speaks to your temperament as <laughs> you not needing to um do the gymnastic <laughs> you know getting affirmed by a fellow black colleague or writing the the account <laughs> having a running log of like interactions and whatever that definitely speaks to you or who I know you to be you don't need outside validation of of your experience you know what I think partly yeah my temperament but then partly just my experience Mm. like because I haven't always been this way in the workplace and I used to do gymnastics and I used to jump through hoops and I used to feel really grateful to be the token black and I used to feel like wow like people are listening to me or I used to not feel like this I don't even know when the awakening started happening actually I do know I do know I was working in a specific place. I remember I was called into a meeting that had nothing to do with my role. And this, again, this is a running theme for most of the places that I've worked where, because they haven't got their processes or their structures don't represent black people. I will come in and I'll, I will be the black person to be like, oh, this don't represent me or I don't like this or this is uncomfortable. And then for free I will be expected to do the labour required to upskill or to to teach or to support for those structures and processes to change and that's just been a running theme throughout my whole since I was in fact that's how I got my first job was me complaining as a young person that was um, part of an organisation complaining that I didn't really like certain things and actually didn't represent me and they were like okay cool come on board and consult essentially um and that's just been the theme basically and then I remember I was pulled into a meeting I had like my workload was mad again I was one of the lower paid members of staff in the organization was pulled into a meeting that had nothing to do with me and sat in the meeting and I just remember it was like a light bulb moment that you idiots wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't in the room. The CEO of that specific organisation was in the room. But it was a very senior meeting that they were about to go and present something to the board. And I just remember thinking, number one, you've taken my my time. I've got deadlines. I remember I was writing a report at the time. You've taken my time. You've replenished it with a thank you and a wow and oh and all of those like you're so taken aback by my brilliance. And you're going to go and take my work and you're going to go and present my work and my labour and my experience to the board and get credit for it. Actually, the person that's even being affected by these policies that don't represent me is me. So I'm the person that... And I just remember having like an epiphany then that like as you're not working for free anymore 
just like you're not working for free anymore you're not doing additional labor like for free and you're going to name every time this happens from this point onwards you're going to name what's happening and that's what I now do I let them know listen I hope you know I don't mind even if I do it I hope you know I'll do it this time but just to be clear that this is labor this is free labor there's no other member of staff that's expected to do this type of work this is a form of violence and I, I think I've just got really clear safeguarding myself and being boundaried and not second guessing myself um like I said I would rather be wrong I'd rather move mad and then get pulled up on it and be like do you know what is it would that one weren't about race or that one weren't about I'd much rather do it that way around because I've experienced it on the flip side too many times I would implore people to keep a work diary because it's just a mad environment interestingly so as I was saying I've obviously worked in retail and then I've come into like different so I've worked in education for the most part since I left university and one thing that I've noticed that the white people that I have worked with they're not self-aware but I've not experienced mad things Um, and then on the flip side I think that the only area or space that I have experienced self-aware white people who are not necessarily working class is my agent and that team there those are my only experiences that I can signpost so kind of similar to what you were saying like in the organization you're freelancing with now is they're very self-aware and they're willing to learn and they're on learning they're on being confronted and so that makes for like a positive work environment and a workspace and one where you're not like on edge. But I think in terms of the class thing that you've just mentioned, white working class people have always had a proximity to blackness, usually. Mm -hmm. In London anyway, have had a proximity to blackness that gives them that. So I was even speaking to one of my brethren from secondary school the other day, white girl from secondary school, she's so mad. And we was just laughing. And she, like, so literally on her Snapchat, she was, like, her and her brethren were, like, rapping. And just, like, just on uh, madness, isn't it? Just on what they're on, innit? She hasn't changed, basically. And even though all her and all her friends are white, and actually, I do question that. I think we've mentioned it in the past episodes about, like, the racism that comes from white working class. And mm. it manifested very differently. But at the same time, I think there's a comfortability that um, working class white people have and also a know-how of how to just exist around us. Um, Whereas I feel that for a lot of middle-class white people, they don't know how to act. And then particularly liberals and particularly like people with white fragility and particularly people that are working for a quote-unquote good cause. So they think they're good people. They've not even done the work to see their blind spots essentially in relation to race. I don't have time for it anymore. So I'm not going to, like, I will never, I can never, unless you're paying me, like, a madness. Like, and when I say a madness, it needs to be a madness because I'm on a decent wage. So it needs to be an absolute life-changing madness. I can't see myself putting myself in a situation to work with mad white people again. Like, I can't, I, I, I can't do it. I respect myself too much. My mental health, because it affects me. Like, it affects me. The The most recent incident where I was working earlier on this year, and it's a shame as well, because, like, I like the people. I liked the organisation. Mm. If I was paid more, for example, I could have stayed there. 
because I feel like it's a process of of learning for everybody, myself included. But the experience was too expensive. It drained me. It took too much from me to say that I'm I'm willing to do that again. You'd, I'd have to be on a madness. Like, I'd have to to be getting paid like life changing money. Yeah, I definitely think that the average person doesn't view the world in the way that you do. So to like opt in and out of like stable full-time employment I I don't think that the majority of people feel like they've got that freedom or can do that um so I do definitely think that for the average black woman who is yeah our age and whatever whatever I think that is a perpetual work uphill climb being in the workplace probably in their minds trying to maybe work their way up to a position where these things just don't happen or these things happen less and less it's really interesting that dichotomy when you're in the workspace with white people who are class-wise coming from a similar place to you versus white people who are middle class and probably more quote-unquote powerful I think that that adds an additional layer because I think when you're working on the shop floor with a 40-year-old white woman who lacks that power that your Dukas senior manager has, I just think that the power dynamic in that changes the way that things pan out. So there's a way that you can confront that 40-year-old working-class white woman that you work on the shop floor with on like something mad that she said. Um, that's got racist undertones versus the middle class senior manager it just changes things to some degree in both parties very recently I took the situation that I was having with the white woman that I work with or was working with and I took it to a manager and I'm just seeing how like (laughs) like you said as previously how the workplace that there is space made and time given for white women and in various different ways. And I'm very much seeing how there is space being made and time being given to this white woman's like unequivocal madness. And my experience is not being like acknowledged. I would go as far as to say that to some degree, I'm even being gaslit. And I've not mentioned like race or or anything of, of that sort. There's enough stuff that's happened for me to not even need to mention that but just to be like this is how this member of staff has treated me and there needs to be some like redress as you said in the beginning it's a it's an extreme sport and I hope for everybody that they happen upon workspaces where people are doing the work and people are self-aware you've made a good point in terms of like acknowledging my privilege not having the quote-unquote normal working setup and mm. people not having the same options that I maybe have yeah through that my tra- work trajectory and I don't even know what I would do you know if it was a thing where like ah oh, that like, I'm working in like I don't know finance or I don't know that like, um I don't know that like, I'm working in an environment that I have to engage with this stuff I I as do not know what I would do because I know the minimal that I've had to do 
I know what it's like what it's taken from me I can't imagine what it must be like for these people that work in like Canary Wharf or those kind of spaces where actually the people that you're working with don't have that layer of like liberal (laughs) left wingy shit that they carry with them um that you might find in charity or education the liberal shit it infuriates me the liberal shit in the in the sector of and even and the like white savior complex and all of that stuff that infuriates me i don't mind if i know if it's what it says on the tin basically but if i'm going and i'm working with people that are just bigots or that are just like uncultured don't know anything like that's for me is I feel I feel like I would prefer that because it's what it says on the tin in it it's like oh, okay cool I'm not coming here with the expectation or I don't have to even really engage with the race conversation as much because in most of my workplaces it's the white people that are bringing this up you know let's talk about race let's talk about equalities how do we make the environment more fair how does our work reflect the cohorts that we're working with blah 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 but it's all lip service. You're not really, you don't really want to do the work that is going to be required to get things done because that requires sacrifice. That requires giving up stuff. And part of that might be your some of your money, some of your time, your ego, whatever it is, you have to engage if you're going to do that stuff. So it's all lip service. That infuriates me. But in the same vein, I feel like if I had to, I don't know what it would be like to exist in those spaces. That's why I think it's, really really important that black people prioritize self-care and prioritize that touching base with themselves understanding what it is that they need to continue to thrive in those environments and that will differ from person to person but I think it is really really important that if you're working in and I'm going to call it violent because to me it's a, it's a violent space. If you're working in violent spaces that are not conducive to your being, then you need to figure out how to do that sustainably and what you need. And if that's, I don't know, if that is putting your foot down and, and work, working from home on one day a week or whatever it is, or if it's, I don't know what it is, um, but I think it's making sure that boundaries are set within those environments that support you to continue to do the work that you're doing like left wing <laughs> liberal or or a complete bigot um it's all violent it yeah it's all violent and it's almost intolerable as a space to have to work and to have to spend like the majority of your day the majority of your week in a space that is just as you said violent making time for self care and putting your foot down when it comes to like your boundaries. I think as well though, piggy banking a little bit off of like you as a somebody who has the bravery or the freedom or yeah, like the freedom, someone who's given themselves the freedom to opt out of the quote unquote matrix through watching you it has opened my mind up to like other alternative realities for myself. So there isn't just a one track trajectory. There isn't just like you work in this country, you have to work, you have to have stability so that you can buy a house and meet all of all of that criteria, buy a car and, and just do all of the things that I guess we've been told that we need to do. I think that 
my mind is more open to the other possibilities and other options and um, I'm thinking more and more about spending a little bit of time abroad working abroad I wonder what that will be working in a in an environment where everyone is black yeah man yeah it's interesting there are there's always options we can always create something new if we're not happy and I think it's when you're plugged into this here Babylon and the matrix here it's difficult to remind ourselves of that because there are like real responsibilities you know and and I get that but there are always options we we are choosing we're choosing to stay here for some people for good reason like this outweighs the alternatives but I guess it's just like reminding ourselves of that and I don't know why I feel the need to say this even though like I've worked with bare mad white people majority mad white people I also think there's always that one or two there's usually not always but there's there's usually been that one or two white people that I work with that are just real and that are just down that I like have opened my mind in new ways by engaging with them and like yeah building working relationships with them um and there's a few people that I'm thinking of that like have opened because they are so different because I've been able to meet them at work and I would never have met them that I would never have crossed paths with them otherwise really but we've met at work and we've built relationships that are like long-standing and um have been really eye-opening and um life-changing for me so there's also like the flip side that in as much as I can sit and talk about like crazy people I think there's always been like one or two like just good eggs good eggs um that I'm grateful for that I'm grateful to have met and worked with and built friendships with as well thank you guys for listening thanks for listening guys I can't come here and die I can't come here and live got all this shit on my mind like what the fuck I'm a day work ain't paid me in time my baby just ripped in my mood I just cut off my line. <laughs>